Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast. My name is Nosa Yari. Uh, my co-host is going to be here today, Tongwa. She sends her wishes. Uh, but I'm here with a very special guest uh, today. I'm recording, as usual, from American, uh, the campuses of American University here in D.C., and uh, I have a special guest today. Uh, thank you all for sending love to me personally, uh, but no one has still sent me emails. So <laughs> if you guys want to send me emails, that would be cool too. Yeah, I appreciate when you know people hit me up um, personally uh, on social media or something like, hey, you know, I enjoyed the episode. There's people I know because I haven't had you know too many listeners. I think my last episode did like 70 or 80 listens, but hey, so far so good. So I have a special guest with me today, like I said, uh, my classmate, Hang. Uh, and Hang is originally from, not originally, I don't know why I keep saying that, <laughs> but <laughs> she is from Vietnam and um, she uh, went to school in Vietnam and came over to the US for grad school just like I did. And I think she has some working experience, not to run down her resume, I think I'll allow her to do that herself, but uh, she has uh, some interest in international trade, I guess, or some experience in international trade. And fun fact about Han, she is one of the smartest people in class, which I admire from a distance. (laughs) And the reason why I admire Han is there are a whole bunch of smart people in classes. It's like an MBA class, right? But Han is really, really, really smart, like really, really smart. And <laughs> she doesn't really, she's not really obnoxious about it. Not that there's nothing about being, I mean, I, I watch boxing, so sometimes, you know, we can do it a bit of, you know. But, you know, she just like, she she knows what to do. She knows the answers to most questions, but sometimes might not choose to answer. And unless maybe she she just can't help herself or she just has to say something that she probably just want to answer. But yeah, and probably that's something we're, we're going to be talking about uh, on the episode today. But yeah, I'll allow Han to introduce herself. Um, wait, before I allow you to introduce yourself, um, I guess it's my first question. People who come from Vietnam, are they Vietnamese or Viet Cong? Are those two different things? Um. I'm not sure. Okay, so uh, for a lot of people here, maybe from the U.S., you kind of have a mixed uh, terms of Vietnamese, Vietnamese, mm-hmm. or Viet Cong, the right way to say it. Oh, Viet Cong. Yeah, Viet Cong. Okay, so the G doesn't, I don't pronounce the G's, it's just uh, C um, Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah, kind of, kind of, but you okay. get it like, very close. Okay. Um, so there's like a political... Um, meaning for Viet Cong because okay. it's uh, the word to call the army from the north oh, during the Vietnamese War. Oh, I get it. Yeah, so oh, now, this makes sense because I actually got that word Viet Cong from a Hollywood movie, yeah. uh, Tropic Thunder with um, yeah, what, I think uh, the word Cong is part of the word Cong San or communist. Oh. Yeah, so it's like the communist Vietnamese. Oh, the communist part of it. Oh, and this is actually yeah. something we're going to talk about. I mean, I have it in my show notes uh, touching on that subject, but oh, good to know. So I guess uh, I would say Vietnamese, I guess. Yeah, it's universally. More, I think it's a more proper way to 
to, gotcha. to say it. Okay. Um, I don't think people would, um, you know, for, for my generation, people wouldn't be too, uh, too like, conscious about that mm. because we were born after the war. And um, it's just like it's not something that we're very sensitive about. But okay. people from the older generation might find it a little bit... Um, mm-hmm. Offensive, offensive you call them that way gotcha because it kind of like some memories from the war that they not like they really keen on okay. yeah okay um in that in that light i i apologize uh, if anybody's listening to this from <laughs> vietnam um this is my first time and actually apparently maybe some people from this generation too because when i said that word the first time i there was a little smirk in your first face like what okay but <laughs> yeah. yes i apologize uh so it's vietnamese because and that's a great thing about the podcast, right? We get to learn about things like this because um, I- I've been carrying this opinion for years since I watched that movie, Tropic Thunder. It was mm-hmm. like Vietnamese is just a language. That's Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And if you want to refer to the people, it's different. So, But now it's I'm kind mm-hmm. of like understanding the nuances. Uh, so thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. But do, <laughs> do you want to introduce yourself, uh, your background, tell us how you got so smart, all that good stuff. Was your <laughs> dad an astrophysicist? What happened? <laughs> um, well, first, thank you for your compliments. I think um, I'm not that smart. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, we have a lot of smart people in the MBA program, and I'm not really that, you know, like really, really smart person, like Nosa said. Um so a little bit about my background. Um, I'm from Hanoi, Vietnam, so it's the oh. capital city. And oh, it's yeah, in from the, the capital. North. Yeah, and it's nice. in the north. Um, and uh, I think um, I was born and raised there the whole time. And up until probably like 23, 22, 23 years old okay. was the first time that I went out of the country uh, on business trips and really get to... Oh, why, why did you go the first time? The first place you went to outside Vietnam? Uh, the first place that I went to was Thailand. Mm, okay, so, so not too not, far. Not that too, yeah, not okay. that far. And a, good, and a good first step. Yeah, but after Thailand, I went to the UK and to France for a business trip. So that was oh. like a really different I've always experience. wanted to try street food in Thailand. I, I heard they have like one of the best street food. Uh, Vietnam probably has better street food. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> Are you saying that because... Okay, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah. Really? So Vietnam has better street food? So if I, if I were to go to Vietnam, what do you advise me to try? Like, I'm just landing from the airport. I go to the mm-hmm. nearest uh, street that has all the stuff I can get. What street do I go to? Let's start from there. Uh, from the airport, actually, the airport is pretty far away from downtown, so okay. you don't have to go um, to like the city center, like in the middle of the city. Okay. Uh, it's called the Old Quarter. Old Quarter. Yeah, Old Quarter, because okay. uh, historically this is like uh, the original Hanoi, like really small part of the of the city. And um, a lot of the infrastructure there was built during the French um, colony time. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Vietnam was colonized by the French? Yes. Really? Yeah, we were never colonized by the British, no. You always thought you guys were... Oh, really interesting. But French is not a predominant language, is it? In Vietnam? No, it's not. Because I think probably because um, I would say that... Probably people back in my great grandparents' day, mm-hmm. they speak a lot of French, okay. uh, because French was 
um, was uh, in, well, they were in the north of Vietnam and also like I think in the south, I, I can't remember that well. Uh, but after that, when we uh, were independent, I think it's kind of like a on the agenda of the new government the, to how long ago was all the, the ties. What year was the independence achieved, uh, if you know? So full independence when the two parts of the country uh, were back together was in uh, 1975. Okay. But we... Well, that was the year the war ended, right? Yeah. Okay. But before that, um, I think 1945 was a very important milestone when mm. uh, we got the French out of the country. Okay. Yeah, and... From that point on, uh, the new government was trying to kind of cut ties with the French gotcha. people. So they were uh, promoting uh, learning other languages. Mm. So Chinese was one of the languages. What's the predominant Russian. local language in Vietnam? Vietnamese. Okay. Uh, we, we call it Vietnamese. And uh, about, I think, 90% of the, um, the the people in Vietnam are the king uh, ethnic, or we call it the Viet um, ethnic, and the rest about ten percent is like other ethnics um, minorities, and they speak a different language which we completely don't understand. Okay, and um, where are they located? In the north, the south? They are scattered among the country. I think uh, in the north okay. and in the south, but I think they are more in like the mountainous region. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, from the capital city of Hanoi, uh, yeah, so Vietnamese to, to the core. <laughs> <laughs> You've been to other parts of the world before you came to the U.S. Give me a sense of what mindset you were before you came over. Why did you see it as a necessity to come to the U.S.? You know, give me just your, your transition to the U.S., basically. Um, that's a good question. Um, so to sum up, my the reason why I wanted to move to the U.S. was because of the education. Mm. But um, a longer version of it would be um, after working in my job at the British Embassy in Vietnam for mm. five years um, and traveled to a lot of countries, I feel that there's a lot of new opportunities unexplored outside of mm. the countries. And I would love to go overseas somewhere to start, you know, a new experience and see how it's out there, how it's like out there in the world. Uh, the U.S. was the perfect choice for me at that time um, because uh, the MBA program here is really good. It's uh, open and it's really provides a lot of practical uh, experience. Uh, it allows me to get a job, maybe to work here for three to four years mm. to really consolidate an abroad, a living abroad experience. And um, another important but, um, you know, not career-related reason why the U.S. is uh, my boyfriend's here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Oh, so that's the main reason. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I wouldn't say that to an employer. Like, main reason why I'm here is my girlfriend's here. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I mean, we have to weed out all the employee and all the employers who might be listening to this podcast. But hey, don't <laughs> worry, we'll put it out when you've got a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I think that um, before traveling to any country in Vietnam, I didn't have an idea of how it was like in other country. So my, um, I think 
my my world was like within Hanoi and sometimes like traveling to Ho Chi Minh City and Ho Chi Minh City is still a little bit different from Hanoi. Uh, uh, sorry, what was that? Ho Chi Minh? Yeah, Ho Chi Minh City. Did I pronounce that correctly? Ho Chi Minh? Ho Chi Minh. Oh, Ho Chi Minh. Yes. Okay, Ho Chi Minh City. <laughs> yes. Oh, permit yeah, my yeah. accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. When I come to Vietnam, you know, I'll, I'll you know, be able to you know, soak up the accent. But for now, you know, Ho yeah. Chi Minh. Mm-hmm. All right, It's correct. It's correct. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so um, my world was uh, limited to what I know about my city and a few other cities um, in Vietnam. But once I traveled, I realized that there was so much development going on. And um, I also see that some of my friends from uh, university and from high school were starting their own business in Vietnam in technology. So that was very new to me because we were... Well, does Vietnam have a sizable technology scene? Uh, do they have any, no, like India and other no, countries? probably not to the size or to the proportion of uh, the technology industry in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, I would say, an infant industry in Vietnam, but a lot of young people are choosing to take um, engineering, mm. uh, or business people choose to dive into technology and build up startups uh, based on technology. So that was a point when I realized there's a lot of possibilities mm-hmm. that could happen, and I should probably go somewhere and explore. Go, go get it. Okay. So yeah. is, that, is that something you're interested in? Um, uh, is that something you want to do long term, like uh, professionally? Um, you know, like you want to dabble in the technology side. You talked about staying in the U.S. for three or four years. Are you looking at going back? How does that mm-hmm. look like? Um, so to be very honest with you, if you ask me, like, what do I want to do in like 10, 20 years? That's a very difficult question that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know one thing for sure that um, after I uh, completed my um, job at the British Embassy, I wanted to go more into data analytics. Okay. And of course, the best opportunities for those jobs would be to uh, go to work with uh, a data-driven company or tech companies. And all the new possibilities are in there. So for my maybe next three to five years, mm-hmm. I would want to find um, a leading innovative company to work with and learn from their experience and see what I can get out of it. Specifically in analytics, right? Yeah. You see, you guys, I told you she was a smart girl. You know, she was being honest. But <laughs> <laughs> not just anyone goes to work in analytics. You know, I was like, uh, analytics, uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things that I never, like before coming here, I didn't think that I would be really interested in. Mm. Uh, previously, so maybe go back to when I was um, in uh, high school or university. Okay. So imagine that, uh, you know, the typical stereotype Asian student version that you see on TV. I think my my background back then when I in my childhood was pretty much similar, like very uneventful, a lot of time spent at school, studying like subjects like math, physics, and things that involved a lot of numbers. And they scared me. So when I Really? Yes, they scared me. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and I never thought that I would actually want to work with numbers. Uh, so when I got my job with the embassy, 
a lot of um, that require quali uh, qualitative uh, research. Really? What were you doing at the British Embassy? Yeah, British Embassy in Britain. Okay. Yeah. Um, so kind of like that qualitative research needs to be back up with numbers. And I started to work more on my quantitative analysis skill gotcha. and realized that well, it's actually interesting. And then I needed to build up skills in that area. So the British Embassy, qualitative. So were you like um, researching on behalf of British businesses in Vietnam, that kind of thing? Or were you... Yeah, so you got the idea right. Mm -hmm. um, my clients were British exporters. So companies, British gotcha. companies that have never accessed the Vietnamese market. Okay. And also British companies that are already in the market, but they're facing some problems. Gotcha. Okay, so you aren't a Russian spy or anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, but you know that's a that's an in, uh, interesting point because um, there's uh, some kind of I would say stigma to people who, like Vietnamese people who work for foreign embassies in Vietnam. Really. Um, because does this also stand back to the war or no no no, no. I mean stigma here is not being perceived by foreigners, but actually being perceived by Vietnamese uh, police, you know. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so they they would... What's uh, the local name for Vietnamese police? Uh, you can call them Gong An or Cảnh Sát. Gong An. Yeah, what does Gong that, An what is that more like to? public security Gong officer. Yeah. Okay, what's the second one? Cảnh Sát, the same. Cảnh Sát? Yeah, police. Like, police. Yeah, police. Okay. Yeah, they they within the Ministry of uh, Public Security, there's a department that is dedicated to monitor the activities of people who work for foreign embassies. Wow! Because so your phone was bugged, basically. I have no idea. I mean, okay. <laughs> Wait, do they know where we are right now? <laughs> no, I'm out of the force. So okay, I, I don't think they would spend that much money on you know monitoring a, a person who's. You know, gotcha. away for quite a long while. Okay. But when I was there, uh, the you know some police were trying to reach out to me and ask if I was interested in being a spy for them. Interesting. Or um, during one of the um, uh, project uh, work at the embassy. Okay, you didn't ask them if they could fund your MBA or something? <laughs> <laughs> no. But. Yeah, but during one of the projects, uh, I was receiving some, you know, boxes of biscuits for, you know, a promotional campaign. And since it was during the weekend and the embassy is closed, I mm -hmm. had to send those uh, boxes of biscuits to my house. And the police noticed that there was, like, something sent from the embassy to, to the my house. place. Yeah. So they went in and they asked my grandparents and, wow. and my parents about, like, what are these things? Like, what are she receiving? From, biscuits, from... man. <laughs> <laughs> Just boxes of biscuits, like okay. nothing there. And, you wow. know, they, they realized that was stupid, but it's yeah. part of their job to check. So Wow. Well, they yeah. probably, did you, like, let your superiors know where they surprised or you were like... Yeah, of course, okay. I, I let my superiors know because I was, I was furious, mm -hmm. like, because they came into my house and inquired after things that were... Like legit, so like nothing happened there, and it really bothers me. So wow. I let my um, superiors know, and you know they kind of had some formal uh, f formal uh, correspondence with um, the Ministry of Public um, Security, Security, okay, and make sure that uh, these policemen are not harassing, harassing, uh, you know. Well, that that 
is it possible that that stemmed out of um, some? Because you said the nineteen forty-five, um, kind of like the first independence, um, and oh, owing to the fact that you know the country was colonized by a foreign government at a certain point in time, and you had had interference during the Viet twenty-year Vietnamese War from the Soviets, from the Chinese, from the Koreans, from mm-hmm. the Americans. Um, is is it possible that that was I wouldn't say it's good to, you know, harass, like, innocent individuals, but it, did the level of distrust stem from the number of foreign countries that interfered in Vietnamese, like, affairs and stuff? So they just had to make sure that they check anything that has to do with any foreign country, like, you know, be it embassy or airports, that kind of thing. Does that make um, sense? Well, that's a very hard question to answer. I think it's just because it's... um. It's part of the, you know, one party country kind of mentality. Mm. Since you only have one party and you don't really want there's any other forces that would interfere with um, politics in your country. Mm. Um, I think what they do for, for, from my perspective, is uh, sometimes very. Uh, frustrated to gotcha. have that kinds of you know questioning from them, but they were doing more of routine work rather than like really seeing any threats from from other countries. Gotcha. And uh, there may be something else going on that's more serious, serious high but, level stuff. But yeah. I've never experienced something that's like you know extreme to that level gotcha yeah gotcha and and it's funny you say this because you know I'm, I'm starting to have understand some of all these things better so i'm from nigeria mm-hmm. and in africa uh uh growing up in africa um there was a really really popular movie called nam angels mm-hmm. i don't know if you you heard about it no uh, it, nam angels was was it chuck norris i can't remember but i think it was shot in the 80s like 87 88 mm-hmm. 89 and it was about this group of American soldiers going mm-hmm. to Vietnam. And mm-hmm. I think I was about like five or six at the mm-hmm. time. And what they did was this bunch of American soldiers with uh, uh, on Harley-Davidson bikes. They put mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Harley-Davidson bikes on the helicopters mm-hmm. and they wore, I think they wore some Hells Angels jackets or something, but they were like soldiers or mercenaries or something. Mm-hmm. And they dropped them in Nam. That was like Vietnam, Nam Angels, like from mm-hmm. Vietnam, Nam Angels. Um, I think they probably got their name from Hell's Angels, which is like mm-hmm. a bikers club. That's why they took their bikes, Harley Davidson, to Vietnam. So they, the helicopter dropped them in the jungle in Vietnam. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were riding off. And as they were riding off, there were, you know, some Vietnamese soldiers who were like popping up from like um, dugouts mm-hmm. and trenches in the ground. You know, And that was my first exposure. And I was like, man, this is cool. Countries in Vietnam. And, you know, growing up, like media propaganda, everyone supports the U.S., you know, without knowing the full story, because the whole yeah. Hollywood and the media shows always shows the U.S. in a good light, regardless of the true story. So, you no, know, but that sparked you know, my interest in Vietnam. And when I got older, when I got maybe 11 or 12, that's when I started, you know, doing some reading about the Vietnamese war. And I was like, why are so many countries interested in Vietnam? And why is, you know, uh, uh, the U.S. so involved? And what's going on exactly? And why the hell should the war last this long? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like, yeah, you know, you have some internal conflict, Especially in parts of Africa, you know, we experienced internal conflicts, you know, for a couple of years here and there mm-hmm. in different regions. But 
you I don't know you might not be old enough to like um, answer why the war started and give us a whole history and that's not uh, the purpose of this podcast to be honest mm -hmm. but for young people what's their um, approach to uh, what's what's their sentiment in the current day to what happened 30 years ago you know the war and everything um, how's mm -hmm. the country today like for young people given the effects of you know the war 30 years ago that kind of thing and how's the relationship with the West, like mm -hmm. uh, specifically for like young people, not necessarily mm -hmm. people who were there. Um, so the first part of the question, how do young people think about um, the war? I think so. The country, uh, the first time the country opened to international trade was back in uh, 1986. So not that long ago, and before that time, we were just like having um, party kind of like uh, state-owned companies and there mm. wasn't really like an economy inside the country but after that everything changed really fast and even for me when I look back at uh, you know when I was growing up in the 90s and now it, it's, it's like a completely different country country yeah mm. So for a lot of people born in my generation don't really have a good understanding of how it was like in the war, but we do get a sense of how quickly the country changed um, in the last maybe 10 to 20 years. And I think that we do, we still have somewhat of um, a legacy from the war, but that is not like prevalent in the culture of the young people okay uh, a lot of young people uh, are really like because we we now have the chance to travel um, a lot we don't really uh, think about like you know back in the days when people uh, when the uh, propaganda was um, kind of pointing at the US as like the enemy mm -hmm. we don't have that sense in our culture growing up and we kind of accept um, the, you know, new information or new technologies or a lot of, like, things that are happening in the West, we're adopting it in our country, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for the young generation. Like music, fashion? Yeah, music, or... fashion, like everything you can Really? Can so what's, what's a popular like startup, song? Like, I think startup business like model. Like the tech scene. Yeah. It's, it's well, why, why does Silicon Valley do that? I, I don't understand. Like, I'm having a problem with the African tech scene right now because these VCs just replicate the whole Silicon Valley model and come in mm -hmm. with all this capital and talking about exits, even though some countries don't have stock markets yet. You know, that hasn't... Why can't people understand that fine it's good to bring technology and innovation and all that stuff but you have to adapt to the system to the local mm -hmm. context like you can't just copy and paste something from where it was because everyone wears ties you know yeah here you ought to wear ties where it's 70 degrees you know or something yeah. you know it's kind of like i'm like I don't know. So, yeah, you were saying I, cultural I think, exchange, all that stuff. Yeah, but, uh, you know, on, on that point, when you say I, I agree with you that copy and paste is not the way to go, but since things are, you know, the, things are happening here in the West, uh, in the U.S., in Europe, um, 
you know, business model tech companies are doing really well here. There's some part of it that can still be copied in, you know, markets like Definitely. Vietnam. Definitely. And I think it's a matter of which company has the best uh, model, which adapts the best to the market, will survive. And it's a normal thing in business. If you're copy and paste without having, uh, you know, the right adjustment or adapting to the culture in the market, you're going to fail. Mm. So I don't think it's like something that's too uh, abnormal. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's easier for products, right? I mean, if you are taking uh, a phone to a territory, you might say, oh, let's give it a longer battery life. Oh, these apps are not needed, this, that, mm -hmm. that, that, that. But a system, like a way of doing things, sometimes it's more ingrained that, no, this is a standard way, this is what works in the West, so it has to be exactly that yeah. way. You know, the system has to be go to school in the morning. School doesn't start in the afternoon. You know, uh, you have to sing the national anthem. You have mm -hmm. to, you know, all that. Is like systems is more difficult to like. Mm -hmm. adapt to but hey yeah. yeah and the second part of your question how do I see the country uh, relations with the West uh, being in the British Embassy gave me um, kind of like a, a front seat to see what the com uh, what, what the country is doing uh, because during my time there Vietnam was going through a negotiation with the EU on uh, a free trade agreement mm. and since like then the UK I actually like technically the UK is still part of the EU now but yeah. soon um, not but back in the days um, I was working with uh, other EU embassies when uh, we were like tracking the um, uh, the progress of the free trade agreement talks and from from there I talked to a lot of uh, Vietnamese officials in different ministries in the Vietnam Vietnamese government um, and I see that um, they are really pushing for uh, free trade agreements or any kind of like economic and trade uh, relations with other you know big countries mm -hmm. uh, in the world um, the country do see that it's a very great opportunity to grow the economy and also at the same time uh, tackle the issues with corruption. Because when you're in a free trade agreement, you have to um, agree to a lot of um, you know, standards and guidelines on transparency. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to help build a healthier government system for Vietnam. So I see a lot of um, positive signs and um, a lot of uh, positive progress um, in the way that the country is building up relationship with um, other countries in the world. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I mean, that's a professional answer, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, is this true because... No, um, I mean professional, like the way you delivered mm -hmm. it. I don't mean like you are being politically correct. That's not what I meant. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, on to the fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> now, you've tried to, let me say, you're trying to convince me to try Vietnamese street food. Uh-huh, yeah, so, well, we got a yeah, long way from yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, a long way, long way, but why not? I don't forget about food, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so, downtown. Mm -hmm. I'm a okay, tourist. Downtown. downtown. Downtown, I'm a tourist. I land in, what's the name of the airport in Hanoi? Uh, Not Bai Airport. Not Bai? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's I, only one like international airport. International there, airport. So you oh, really? don't have to worry about getting lost or anything. Okay. Um, so from the airport, you go to the downtown area, which is called the Old Quarter. Yeah, Old Quarter, yeah. And from there, you... And in Old Quarter, I might see 50. What's 50? Uh, the police? I, I forgot. The, the police? The, uh, local, the local name for the police. Gongwan. Gongwan. Um, no, 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 
not really. I think it's very tourist friendly area. And um, they, you know, there are a lot of like uh, street vendors where they just literally like sit on the street. Yeah. And um, they have like a small table where they make yeah. the food on. You buy the food and then you the sit on the pavement and the eat best, the food. The best way to eat, man. <laughs> the best way to, so what's the first dish? What do I go for first? What do I attack? Do you want to be extreme or do you want to be like, um, kind of like I want, tourists? I want to have a good impression. I'm like, man, I'm licking my fingers and I'm going back to the hotel. Like, man, I'm coming back tomorrow. That kind of thing. Um, well, so I'm going to be a little bit hardcore here because mm. um, the kind of food that you uh, have here, it's not representative of what's in Vietnam. Oh, yeah? Uh, pho is definitely um, a really, really good uh, breakfast kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also one of my favorite uh, dishes. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend you to try uh, bún chá. Bún chá? Yeah, bún chá is um, okay. kind of like a pork, uh, barbecue pork. Barbecue um, pork. Yeah, mm. you eat it with noodle and fish sauce. Oh, noodles. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people don't like uh, fish sauce because it like has a strong smell to it. Okay. Um, Wait, would the noodles be like in the soup? Like no, 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 it's not in the soup. The noodle will be like out. Okay. Uh, on the side, and you have the pork on this. Uh, you have the pork inside the fish sauce. Gotcha. And then you dip the noodle into that sauce and you eat it with, with the pork. You dip, so it, the noodle is going to be dry, kind of. Yeah, it's going to be dried outside, but then you dip it into the yeah. sauce. So it's kind of like a little bit of sauce, a little bit of uh, pork in there. Yeah. Okay, and the best way to eat it is with your hands, right? No. No? No. no. Okay, what's the best way? Uh, chopstick. Chopsticks. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, sorry. In noodles, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah. We kind of have something similar. Uh, so I, I, I spent parts of my time growing up in Abuja which is like the capital of Nigeria mm-hmm. and in Abuja in Lagos in Benin other places of Nigeria uh, we have something similar called Meshai Mm-hmm. And meshai, it's kind of like noodles. Most of them, like some of them have bread, some of them have noodles. Uh, but instead of uh, fish or ham or um, uh, pork, uh, they use eggs. So it's like noodles and eggs and yeah. sometimes in my some sardines, that, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah, that's something that all students like because it's really cheap because it's street food. That's cheap. That's so yeah, it, they're usually around like universities and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, you should aspect. try that because yeah, that dish is one of the things that Obama tried when oh, really? he went to Vietnam. Oh, he, he went to Vietnam in that bar and they framed his table, right? Yes. <laughs> I was like, what? I mean... <laughs> well, like, no one else can sit here. Yeah, so it's, it's a kind of bizarre thing that you don't really see elsewhere in other restaurants. It's just gotcha. kind of like, yeah. And I've never been to that place where Obama went. I think maybe... You know the people from the um, uh, the American embassy. Then they just think that it's a safe place. It's oh, nice. so so you mean that's not regular? That's kind of like yeah. Why I, you want to have a really I good never time? Heard, I never heard of that uh, restaurant before. Oh, you mean the restaurant place. itself? But I saw yeah. the pictures. Is that how a typical uh, Vietnamese restaurant? Uh, is that how it looks like? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was like, oh, this is somewhere where you I mean, go it's, at lunch. I mean, it's typical these, you know, it, because that one is not exactly in the old quarter. Mm. If you're in the old quarter, you will see, you know, that kind of um, setup, but like on the street. 
Gotcha. Yeah, so it looks like uh, you know you're sitting on the pavement with tables, like plastic tables and yeah. chairs. Gotcha. Yeah, but um, that one uh, again, it's it's a uh, one of my favorite too. Gotcha. Um, and I do try muncha here, like some restaurants, Vietnamese oh, restaurant here. We, here. Yeah. Oh, you know you have to but give me names. Good. They're not. Oh, they're not good. No. Uh, but it's you said it's typically for breakfast, right? So what would I have for? No, that one is actually for lunch or dinner. Okay, bunchai is for lunch. Okay. Yeah, first for breakfast. Okay, okay. So how am I gonna get some here? Are you gonna cook some for me? Do I come again? <laughs> exactly. I can. Like I, I do sometimes because it's one of can my favorites. Can I use typical so... ramen or? What no, 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 no. You have to use the white noodle. That uh, it, it looks a bit similar to pho, but it's mm. um. It's rounded and it's um, tastes a little bit different, but it's gotcha. made from rice, so the same material. It's the same, from, yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And I think uh, and, more... and pho is from Thailand, right? Is it, is it originally yeah. from Vietnam or Thailand? It's originally from Vietnam. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you see, Thailand. And I think if you ask... I knew about it from Thailand. <laughs> no. Okay. If you ask a lot of Vietnamese where where pho comes from, I think a lot of people don't know. Oh really? And I actually I didn't know until like one of my um, colleagues at the company that I interned with last semester. Yeah. Asked me like uh, he he was really interested in cooking and gotcha. he he really liked uh, pho. So he asked me, so you're a Vietnamese? Do you know where pho comes from? Like how do people come and up with like, that? No. <laughs> and like no, I have completely no idea. Like how how did that happen? Like how did people come up with pho? Yeah. So I, I read up a little bit about it, and then um, the story is interesting. You read up about food, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> about the thing about smart being smart again. But hey, you know, what do I know? <laughs> it's just like I'm curious. Like, I yeah, yeah, I it's just the thing that I, I really like, but I don't know where it come from. Gotcha. So um, I read up about it, and um, the the story was like back when uh, the French was still colonizing the uh, northern Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, the French eat a lot of beef, so they cook a lot of you know dishes, and then they would. Um, so th- they cook a lot of uh, fishes, and then oh uh, well, sorry, beef, and then they would uh, you know keep the the beef bones out of the dish mm-hmm. and kind of like throw them away. So some of the Vietnamese mates uh, who work for French families mm-hmm. get those bones and, and put them into broth. And cook them up, and they found that the broth was really sweet, sweet and it yeah. tastes really good. And so they put, you know, some noodle into noodle. it, pho noodle into it, and it's just, you know, that's how they came think, up with. Pho. I think that's how pork chops got popular here in the U.S., yeah. like in the South, like you throw some meat away and you. you know. Yeah, a oh, lot hey, of that, that's interesting, and it's yeah. strange you say that because there's a really popular food where I come from called jello rice, mm-hmm. and we have this thing back and forth. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's a Ghanaian in class, Kwame, my friend, and we mm-hmm. always go back and forth because there's a running argument between Nigeria and Ghana who makes the best jello <laughs> rice, and jello is originally from Senegal. Mm-hmm. So okay. most people don't even know where it comes from, but they're like, yeah. we don't care. We make the best one. Ghanians say no, we make the best one. Nigerians say we make the best one. So yeah. I, I can't, I'm kind of like having that dynamic between uh, Vietnam and Thailand with pho. But yeah, it's something I'll definitely uh, like to try. Mm-hmm. And one thing I have to ask you about. So I follow Hong on Instagram, 
And you, you know this question, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask me the same question. Oh questions. my God, Han loves her cats. <laughs> she loves, she's always posting pictures about her cat. I'm like, damn. I'm like, you know, yeah, is yeah. that something? Uh, did you, is the cat your boyfriend's? Did you get it here? Did you bring it from Vietnam? Uh, no, the cat has been with me for 10 years and a half now. Oh, wow. So, Cat, cats live that long? Yeah, like I know. 15, oh, really? 17, or even 20 years. Wow. Yeah, so I got my cat um, in uh, 2008, and she's been with me the whole time. And when I uh, decided to come here for my... Uh, education. I don't want to leave her home. Gotcha. So I brought her with me. And Did you have to get a visa or something? No, not a visa. Like the U.S. is, I think, the easiest country to accept cats. Um, no, you okay. Know, into the country. I, any cat, so I can bring a tiger or something. Uh, a tiger? <laughs> yeah, joking. probably. I don't probably? know. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Okay. I've never had a tiger before, so I just assume that it's a cat. So yeah, maybe it's the same. Yeah, and uh, she's been with me for a really long time. She's been my best friend, um, I would say, because, like, you know, during stressful time, you don't have anyone to talk to. Mm. You know, you talk to your cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I mean, that's a that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah. I mean, I wish we had more time. Uh, I've been talking yeah. with my friend, Hong, and... Um, she's given us a little bit of insight into uh, Vietnam and, uh, you know, told you what you do when you, the first uh, few hours you get touched down in Hanoi, <laughs> what to do, so, and told her about uh, her cat also. So um, is there anything else uh, you want to add? Because uh, this is going to be published. I mean, we don't have a lot of listeners now, but it is going to be online for a while. But anything you just want to put out there to the universe, anything? Um, so I think maybe the last thing that uh, I want to put out there is uh, actually to, to encourage people to travel to Vietnam. Mm. Uh, we are a very friendly country and we have a lot of you know, beautiful sceneries and the culture is so different from, from here in the U.S. And soon there will be a direct flight probably from California to Vietnam. Wait, there's no so direct gets, flight? Currently, no. Did you have to go to London? No, I didn't go to London, but I uh, went to uh, I went through Korea or Japan. Wow! Or sometimes like people went through Hong Kong, Singapore. How long was that flight? Oh my goodness! Uh the whole thing is probably like thirty hours. Gotcha. It's crazy. Pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. So the direct flight will cut that down maybe to two thirds or even like shorter. So, you know, you get a good um, flight and then. Enjoy the country. Right. Yeah. Hey, man, I look forward to coming soon. Um, and obviously, uh, if you're there, you'll be the first person I'll check in with or I'll call you to tell you <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so what do I do? <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's a culture class podcast once again, uh, where we get to talk to people from different backgrounds. Uh, if you have an opinion about the episode, if you want to reach out to Han, you want to drop your social media real quick or not really? Um, well, I'm not really a social media person, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't even remember what my Instagram is. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> really not a social media person? Gotcha. Yeah, I post about my cats, but you know, gotcha. I'm not that active on social media. But uh, you can find me on Instagram, mh um, slash ngo. Mm-hmm. Oh, How do I pronounce your slash. last name? It's uh, mh underscore ngo, sorry. How do I pronounce your last name? Ngo. Ngo. So it's I Hang Ngo. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Great.
great. So yeah, follow us on uh, Culture Class Podcast on Instagram, Culture Class Pod on Twitter, uh, Culture Class Podcast on Facebook. Please send us an email. Uh, this is the what. We still don't have an email, so yeah. <laughs> I want to know what you guys are thinking. How is this hitting home? I don't know. But yeah, the thing about podcasts is, you know, once in a while, one episode goes viral and everyone backtracks to listen to all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, it's a Culture Class podcast, and have a great day. Okay, perfect. <laughs>